This morning, uh, I was reading from Psalm 90, and uh, it wasn't Psalm 90, <laughs> I kind of, it's Psalm 95, I'm sorry. I was reading from nine, Psalm 95, and Psalm 95, I'll read parts of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is great, is, a great, is the great God, and the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth, the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. <clears throat> For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. <clears throat> I was reading this this morning, it kind of reflecting on what I wanted to talk about today, um, our love for God. And you see here the psalmist who wrote this, and you can see. He said, come down, let us worship God. Let us bow down before Him. He's talking about God's greatness. And shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And He is our God. And says, we are the people of His pasture. The sheep of His hand. When the Christian comes to understand God, His love for us, His care for us, his guidance, His <clears throat> deliverance that He gives us. It causes a response. And the Bible says in 1 John, we love Him because He first loved us. And He gave His Son for us. His only begotten Son. And it is that response to what He did that we love Him out of our response when we believe it. If we're not a believer in this message, then we, we can say we love God, but it's a God of our own, own understanding, then. It's not God for who He really is. And so, this morning I'm going to look in Matthew chapter 10. When we look at the words of Jesus here, in Matthew chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 16. Matthew 10, 16.
Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. And you'll be brought before governors and kings for my namesake, and as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you would speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. And brother will deliver brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, which is a name for uh, they use for the Satan, how much more will they call them of his household? Therefore do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear them. Do not fear, therefore. You are worth more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And do not think that I came to bring <clears throat> peace on the earth, I did not come <clears throat> to bring peace on the earth, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The man's enemies will be those of his own household. And he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will not lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. In this passage, Jesus talks about the life of, of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the life of the Christian. And when it, we read this, we read in here some things that are very radical, and some will think even fanatical. But the fact is, this is the life 
that Jesus called us to, and to the, the Christian reading this, or even the unbeliever reading this, they say, well, wow, this is, this is massive. This is more of a burden I could possibly do all this stuff. And do I really love God? And, you know, and, you know do, I, do I love God more than all, my own family? And how, how, what does that mean? And it it's becomes, all this stuff becomes very challenging that Jesus is saying. So we have to understand what Jesus is saying and not explain it away, on the other hand, and try to make it less than what it really means. And the, and the power and the authority behind what Jesus said. And you notice that in here he mentions our relationship with our loved ones several, two different times. He talks about not loving um, them more than we love him. So I, you know, my children and my, you know, my parents and my, my spouse and all that, you know, I'm with them every day and I love them and, you know, how can I love someone? And this is where our connection with God and our relationship with God come into the light. That there is a spiritual love relationship between us and God. And it has to be the most significant, the most important thing in our life. It's more important than any other relationship. Because everything else will not be right unless this relationship is right. And there is a love relationship. The spiritual relationship is a, is a, a love in the spirit. The Bible refers to this, the term, the statement, love in the spirit. This is love that comes from a spiritual relationship with God. We read in the book of Romans, it says, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Spirit He's given us, the Holy Spirit He's given us. That's how it gets there. It's a love for God, and it's a love for others. But sometimes we're not kind of feeling that. I feel far from God. I don't feel love for God sometimes. Sometimes we harden our hearts through the deceitfulness of sin. Or sometimes we harden our hearts towards the things that God has said. Towards believing them. Towards trusting them. As we read in the Psalm 95 today. If you hear His voice... Do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did in the day of rebellion. We can harden our hearts to the voice of God. Well, why would we do that? Well, because sometimes the things that God says, they don't appeal to our human nature. <laughs> I mean, how more, much more blunt can you put it than that? You know, sometimes we don't like the things, and our, our human nature does not like the things that God's saying. The things about, you know, do not care who those, for those who hurt the body. Don't worry about those who can hurt the body. Do not fear them. Well, our human nature doesn't like it. <laughs> our human nature does fear, does have the fear of man in it, and the fear of injury, and the fear of uh, being uh, put out of a, you know, society, 
and not being loved by others. There's a lot of things. We want others to love us naturally. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody wants to be loved. That's how man was originally designed to be before the fall of man. To be creatures of love. But it says here that we must love God more than any of them. Our love for God <clears throat> has to take precedent. Well, how does that show up? How do we know if we love God more than we love men? It shows up in our attitude, our attitude towards the Word of God, our attitude towards the things He commands us, our attitude towards others. And so, He tells us that we're not above Him. If we follow Him, and if we love Him, there's people that aren't going to love us. He says, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, what are they going to do for you? Servants of the, of the master. The persecution, the suffering that Jesus went through, don't think that we are above that. And so, he talks about not bringing peace. <clears throat> I have not come to bring peace on this earth, but a sword. He said a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Well, why would Jesus do that? Say, well, <clears throat> it's it's the product of the a conflict between the believer and the unbeliever. In a man's household, there are going to be some who believe and some who don't. And that's what he's saying: that a man will be at variance. Of a, a set, for I have come to set man a, a man at variance with his father. You know, relationships within a household, father and son, mother and daughter, you know, <clears throat> parents with children. It's just the nature of conflict between the believer and the unbeliever. For what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? There, it says in 1 Corinthians. So, that's what the problem is, and that's what causes that conflict that Jesus talked about. But if we compromise, and you notice that he brings in, twice in this passage, he brings into light the challenge of, you know, the walk with Christ, is that we have to love him more than anyone else. And when there's this conflict between the believer and unbeliever in the household, between loved ones, that we must continue to not compromise. Because there's a challenge to compromise, you know, following Christ in order to maintain the love and the affection of our of our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, you know. That we have to maintain a certain lifestyle, that we have to impress those around us, that we have to do things to win their affections. And in the process of doing that, compromising are, you know, the things that God, God's Word tells us. God's Word or the above pleasing men. 
The second one is in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, <clears throat> you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. So, <clears throat> in the book of the law it says, The greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. Jesus said, if God is your Father, you would love me. If we have been converted, God becomes our Father. And we have a love for Jesus. And if that love for Jesus, if we've been converted and that love for Jesus has drifted, then we need to come back, recognize it, and come back and have the Lord deal with our hardened heart and pour out our heart before Him. For God is a refuge for us. The next one is in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 42. <clears throat> Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now I'm going to notice that in these two passages, that one we, the, 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 one of the first ones that we read in Matthew 10, and this one, it mentions the word more. That we, sh we must love God more than we love our loved ones. It's not that, it's not a question of whether we love God. It's whether we love God more. And here, it talks about it in a different uh, way of saying it. It says that they believe that Jesus was the Christ. Some of these, among the rulers of Israel... Even some of them believed Jesus was the Christ, but they would not confess that Jesus was the Christ because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They didn't want to be put out of their synagogue. The cost of confessing Christ was too big for them. And you see where the problem is. It's not that they didn't love the praise of God. It says they loved the praise of men more. It was a more value. It's not that they didn't value the praise of God, and it's not that they didn't love God at all. You see, it was their priorities. What was the number one? It was out of whack. God is not willing 
to accept second place in our lives is what this really is all telling us. Whether it comes to love, whether it comes to uh, acceptance, you know, he's not willing to take second place. So I have no other gods besides me. Nothing else comes first before God. And you see that here. It says they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And so they wouldn't confess Him. And that's why Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. But if you do not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. Now many people look at that and feel condemnation. This is, this is too hard. This is harsh. This is condemnation. These are the words of Jesus. And understanding and embracing them in the way he meant them, he's showing them what the life of a disciple is really like. Say, well, you know, I'm struggling with all this. Of course. It's because we're, we're fighting and struggling against our own nature. Because our own nature uh, is uh, shocked and startled by some of the things that Jesus said. And is very uncomfortable uh, to our human nature. This is why God has given us His Holy Spirit. This is why we need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be born again. You must be born again to live this kind of life. Be born of the Spirit. And then, when we're born of the Spirit, we follow His voice. We follow His leading. And He gives us a rejoicing heart. He gives us a love for Him. Love for God is a supernatural experience. It's a supernatural thing that He does inside of us. And I can say that from personal experience. That before I was converted, I didn't have any love for God. I didn't even know who He was. I didn't even know if there was a God. How can you love somebody you don't even know exists? How could that possibly be possible? But then, to come to the place where God opens our eyes. It's real. And we believe it. And then, we don't change. We come to Him and He changes us. Come to me is the invitation of conversion. And I will give you rest. Come to me. You are thirsty. And drink. And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He changes us. A changed life. And he says, when he changes us, now walk in that way. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And surprise. To all these things that Jesus is talking about. Even though our human nature fights against them, there is a power and an ability to do that. There's... There's the, the heart of rejoicing and a love for God that we didn't have when we're walking with Him. And we're not, when our heart isn't hard towards Him. If our heart is hard towards Him today, and we've been walking with God for a long time, and we find that, you know, that things have gotten stiff inside. We come to Him, just like we did at the very beginning. We come to Him. And be healed and be helped 
to be rejuvenated and find life and love in Him. And so, when we read the words of Jesus in John 14, as we go to two chapters over, He says, If you love me, keep my commandments. He says, and he mentions it twice in this passage in John 14. He mentions it in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 23, he says it again. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Now, this is not saying that love and that obedience is love in itself. It says, if you love me. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know... It is talking about here loving God and in response to loving God and His love for us, we keep His Word. We follow Him. We keep His commandments. I'm afraid that some in Christendom have seen it actually have it twisted the other way around. That if we obey God's commandments, uh, if we have obedience towards God, uh, that means... We love God. But that can mean religion. And we see that example in uh, the book of Revelation when it talks to the when Jesus sends a letter to the Ephesian church. And he says to them, he says, you've done many good things. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit to sum it up. He says, you've been, done many good things. You, t- you don't tolerate false doctrine. You don't tolerate false apostles, false teachers. He says, and you're bearing the word and you're doing many good things he commends them for. He says, there's only one problem. You've left your first love. He says, return to me. Go back where you started. Our first love, who is our first love? Jesus said it. We must love him more than anything else or anybody else. Jesus is our first love. So what ended up happening was they turned the Ephesian church turned their heart of you know of loving Jesus was not their motivation. Their motivation was doing the words of Jesus without the love of Jesus. The relationship between them and Jesus I faded. And this is the message to Christians to remind and to stir up our love for Jesus as the motivation for what we do above everything else. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's not all there is to wisdom. Fear of God motivating us and then the love of God motivating us. So, we go to John 17, and verse 20. 
Jesus is praying for his disciples here, and not just the disciples there, he's praying for all disciples throughout the ages. And he says something here that's, again, worth to take, that we take note of concerning what we're talking about. Verse 20, John 17, 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. And I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. Now listen to this last verse. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. The love that the Father has for Jesus will be in us. That we might love Jesus the way the Father did. You see that? That the love with which you love me, the love with which the Father loved Jesus, might be in us. The love that the Father had for Jesus might be in us, so that we would love, in other words, so that we would love Jesus by the Father. And this is the message about what a disciple, it's the characteristics of the disciple. What a disciple... The, the, the life of the disciple of Jesus, the Christian life. It's about loving Jesus. It's about loving the Father. And that is the foundation of our faith. He loved us. We believe the message of the cross. And now we love Him. And we love Jesus, who He sent. To love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, and all our strength. It's possible for the Christian. When we're in connection, we're following Jesus' lead. He puts it in our hearts. He puts a love for Jesus in our hearts. And today, if we're not experiencing that, Jesus said to the Ephesian church, Return. You've left your first love. Come back to me. And that was the message in Revelation to the, the church of Ephesians. I mean the church at Ephesus. You've left me come you left your love for me, come back. It's not you left you left your love, you don't love me, forget it. It's like come back. It's your first love. This is where it starts, and this is where it finishes. This is the, the, the road, the straight and narrow road. When we read the words in 1 John chapter 5, and this is the love for God that we keep His commandments. 
again, it talks once again about our motivation. Our, our the, the why are we keeping his commandments? Is it because we have to, or else? And we sometimes find ourselves being that way, just doing it out of fear of God. Jesus said, "Fear him who has power, cast body and soul in hell." The fear for God is real, but we must grow from that. We must grow from the place of just fearing God. The fear of the God is the beginning of wisdom. But we have to grow from that place and, and come into, the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. When there's love, you know, there's no fear of judgment. When the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse, verses 1 to 5, he says, in the last days, and he gives, what would it be like in the last days? That people, there would, be, there would be all kinds of corruption. And one of the things that he says in there, he says they'd be lovers of themselves. And he says they'd be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That, that means that they didn't not love God at all, some of, some of these people he's referring to. Now, some people just hate God. But there are some, it's talking about here who are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They love themselves more than they love God. Lovers of self more than lovers of God. Not that, and that's where we, we come into the whole realm of Christendom, where people... Not that they don't love God at all. But they put themselves before God. And Jesus says, no. You cannot be a follower of me and put yourself, love me, but love yourself more than me. He says that. Is that fanaticism? Or is that just the words of Jesus? Amen. So Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man, a merchant of pearls, who seeks a pearl of great price, and he finds it in a field, and he sells everything that he has to buy that field. That the kingdom of God is a man who finds a treasure in a field, and he sells everything he has to buy that field where the treasure is. It is a complete commitment to a new life. And God gives us that. And calls us to walk in this new life that he gives us. Put off the old man. Walk in the new. It is a complete sellout to Christ. For our love for him. And for his kingdom. And it gives us <clears throat> a great respect for everything that he says in his word. It's like a child who loves his parents, are just you know, he wants to please his parents. Whatever they say, oh yeah, I, you know, love your parents. You do those kind of things. You want to be pleasing to your parents, and he puts that in our hearts to be that person, to love God, and to love our, to love God above everybody else and above ourselves, but also to love everybody else as much as ourselves. Second place, first place God, second place ourselves and everybody else. 
on that same level. And it even pointed out in Philippians that Jesus put everybody else above himself. And it says the attitude of Jesus was to consider others more than our more than ourselves. <clears throat> I think I'm going to stop there, my brothers. I'm going to turn over this to my brothers and any comments.